Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey beautiful, it's Dawn Chitty from the How My Parents Raised Me podcast. Is your soul screaming at you? Sometimes life moves so far from the life we were born for. There's so much expectation from friends and family about who we need to be to be acceptable, to be loved. There is so much judgment. There is so much fear. Do you find yourself in the routine of living an okay life, fitting in and doing all the right things and yet never really feeling it, never feeling into the awesome life you were born for. If you answered yes, I want to invite you to my brand new free group where I'll be jumping on live a couple of times a week to chat about all the things you need to know about living in your power, living in your truth. The link for the group is in the show notes, so please come and join me. You didn't come here to live your most average life. You came here to live your most magical life. And so she comes to me two weeks later and says, well, if you'd like to meet your birth mother, you know, here's how it's going to happen. And I went, wait, what? I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't even think I was ever going to meet them. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, you know. Well, so my mother is so fantastic that she had taken it upon herself to reach out to my birth mother. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand 
What makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey beautiful souls, thank you so much for being here. This week I am chatting with Megan. Megan was adopted at birth and she was very aware of this fact her whole life. It wasn't kept a secret. She knew she had been adopted. She was in a family that was loving and caring. She talks about her adoptive mother as a beautiful mother who loved and cared for her. But she was also aware from a young age that a transaction had taken place, that her life was a literal transaction. She knew that there was money involved and the money that was involved was really just the fees. It wasn't actually anybody paying for a child. It was literally the money surrounding the adoption, the transaction. But for Megan, she she heard this. She knew that there was money involved and she knew that her life was a transaction and so she really was questioning this her whole life and trying to understand her value and also questioning her value to her adoptive parents. You know, was she valuable to them? So many questions come up for the adopted child that nobody else really ever has to consider. And it's really interesting to have an inside look into how that works for somebody and how that's played out in their life. Megan's a beautiful soul and she is doing amazing things in the world. And I really enjoyed my chat with her because she brings up so many interesting and important considerations for people who are adopted, but also for all of us in what is our value in the world. So please join me now in hearing Megan's story. Megan, welcome to the podcast. You are a storyteller in all its forms, an award-winning actor, producer, speaker, writer, and you are also an adoptee. You speak of your life starting out as a literal transaction. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us how your adoption came about? Sure. And thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to just share and connect. And so, yes, as I I said, which sounds rather unusual is that my life started out as a literal transaction being that I was adopted, you know, not five minutes ago, but you know, some time ago. And in those days it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. And It was a private adoption, which is a very fascinating story. I mean, if you talk about sort of soul contracts and really seeing divine alignment, right? Sometimes it's more obvious than other times. And so, you know, you need to make the guardianship legal. You know, it's funny because I speak to my mother and by the way, they, they always told me that I was adopted from a very young age. It was never a secret. It was never hidden from me. It was always very much 
you know, part of this is part of your story. And, and it was never presented to me in a way that, that was anything other than loving, but it was my own distorted interpretation and trying to process that as a three and a half year old, you know, when my brother came into the picture of what does this mean? Because I didn't have any samples or models, you know? And so it was, and I don't even know, to be honest with you, if it, if it was $300 or whatever the lawyer fee amount was, that doesn't even matter, this ancillary amount. But I had heard $300 in my mind, which became a recurring loop in my journey. Well, I must not be very valuable. What is my value? What is the contract of my life? Who's deciding right? What my life gets to be. And what if I don't like the terms of my life? And, and am I a great return on investment and all the things that me as a child, right, was trying to process without the proper tips and tools and the awareness to process it. So yeah, it's very, very fascinating, this sort of idea of transactional versus transformational living. And we're all in transaction in many, many respects, I believe. Yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? That you had this figure of $300 in your mind. Yeah. So this right? was just, this was, because I was thinking when you said that there was money involved, that it was an actual payment, but you're talking about lawyers fees. Or well, something. it's lawyers fees, but still, I mean, that's, you know, it, again, yeah. I, it, now it's more common probably if you're having legal adoptions and things, but I didn't know what that meant. Nobody, yeah. you know, everybody just came from mommy's tummy when I, you know, as far as I was concerned. So when I heard this information, which by the way, wasn't at three and a half, but somehow it came up in conversation. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. What a strange thing to find out. <laughs> it's like, right? I know. Very, very strange information to hear. And did you feel connected to your adoptive parents growing up? It's a very good question because, and I think many people can relate to this, and, and I suspect that this is independent of adoption, however, compounded by adoption for my journey specifically. I've never fully felt connected to the physical realm, never fully felt grounded in my own body. And so that's going to extend outward into my relationships. But it, keep in mind, you know, I, I didn't really understand who I was or who I belonged to, or if I was disappointment, I knew I was wanted, you know, by, by two wonderful families that gave me life. And then the other one who gave me a life in a different way. So it's, it's interesting. I think there was a big part of me that felt connected and a big part of me that just wasn't really sure what was happening. And my mother said from a very early age, I was always skeptical. You know, you pass the baby around at family functions and oh, isn't she or he cute or whatever. And you're, and I, and my mother said that I always had this look on my face of what do they want? what now, right? You know, what am I going to have to do? How am I going to have to show up or be or all the things? It's like she said, it was just so funny and strange. <laughs> Interesting. But I, I, I guess when you think about it, you're born, you grow inside of a, a particular woman and that's your yeah. mother. Right. And then you're handed over to another person and it's a whole different place isn't it and I yeah. think I think there must be a connection even as a tiny baby that we make 
in where we are in in the world we're not really where we're meant to be I don't know I don't know what you think about that you know it's interesting you say that and again I may have a, a different perspective and and of course this has come over time in my own journey and my own experience and healings and what have you but I believe that we're always exactly where we're supposed to be. I actually believe that that we do come in, you know, as a soul contract. Some people don't like that word. It's not meant as a punishment, but it's interesting. I say contract talking about there was this sort of like contract in a sense involving me. But I, I do believe that I chose my parents and they chose me in the, in the ethers before we came into physical being, you know, and, and this opportunity, because whatever my soul is wanting to learn or process or transmute or shift into or embody, this was an opportunity to enhance that and to really allow me to explore the themes. Yeah, I totally understand that. So what sort of age do you feel like your awareness around the fact that you were a little bit different to other kids around yeah. you, that you, were, you weren't with your mom as every other child was how, how did you right. what age was that you know I would have to say and and I don't have an exact age but I want to say it was toddler because my mother told me you know another um, story and again she's always been very open and generous and and you know wonderful about transparency and and it was myself that felt very uncomfortable. And I think maybe I felt I had to protect her. And, you know, I have blue eyes and my parents do not have blue eyes. There's some, you know, blue, blue line ancestry or the, the recessive gene. But so I didn't, I don't physically look like them. Although the four of us together, it's interesting because we do sort of look alike in a way. So she said, you know, this woman would come up to me and you're in your stroller and she'd say, oh my God, what beautiful blue eyes you have. Now I must've felt in self-preservation mode or that I needed to protect my mother or not get into it or whatever, you know, my toddler brain was thinking, but I was very quick to shut it down uh, because the woman would say, well, who, whose eyes do you have, right? Looking at my mother. And I didn't want to deal with it. So I simply said, well, God gave them to me, duh you know, but, and I mean, it is the truth, but it was such a smart ass answer for a toddler, you know, and here I'm probably being polite, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have to explain anything or have any questions or, you know, get yeah. weird looks from you. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Well, it's very interesting that it was at the age of a toddler. You can imagine doing it at 15, but you know, as a right. toddler, that's very young to have that awareness, but I guess you just want to feel like you belong there and you don't want to have to answer all those questions, right? right? You just don't want to have to do that. Right. So you mentioned a brother and is your brother adopted also? He is, yes. Okay. Yeah. So at 12 years of age, how did you identify in the world? Oof, 12 years of age. I would have been, what, middle school? Mm. You know, I may get a little bit emotional and it's totally okay. I walked around feeling very confused, you know, and, and especially with that value piece and the idea of 
I don't know what's required of me. I feel this tremendous guilt, which again, I completely just took on myself. Nobody made me feel this way. But this guilt of this woman, you know, carried me and she shared with me her experience, which is not for me to share. And it's, it's beautiful and, and she's lovely and, you know, we're in contact. So I sort of felt the guilt that she had to make this decision. And then there was an aspect of me that felt sort of guilty that I may not have been everything that, that my parents wanted, which is silly to think that, but that was just sort of where I was you know, at that time. And I felt a lot of undue pressure that I put on myself to get it right. And I don't even really understand what that meant at the time. It was very difficult to conceptualize, but it was more of this sort of embodied feeling that something wasn't normal, right? That something wasn't, was off. And I, I didn't know how to resolve it yeah that's so confusing isn't it okay there's so many things going through your brain all the time right and it's it's a it's a really confusing place to be did you feel that the love that you were getting from people around you then was was conditional on being a certain thing well I think society in general has taught conditional love right which Mm. isn't love it's fear. You know, you have to, and, and my parents were very loving and everybody does the best that they can, right? With their own level of awareness and traumas and demonstrations. But I conditioned myself and I was really judgmental because I was so afraid to really express who I was authentically. Number one, because I didn't really understand who Megan was authentically. And here's the interesting piece. So my initials, you know, Megan Elizabeth Henry spell, eh, it wasn't a thing in those days, you know, to go, oh, wait, your initials, what do they actually like spell or what sound it comes out? And I've played my whole life mediocre, meh. It was a safety mechanism so that I didn't have to go big and potentially risk being rejected, which I would imagine being adopted, there was an aspect of of feeling rejected. And the not good enough piece for me, so many people, and there's always a, a little bit of that, I think, in our human experience of feeling not good enough, but that wasn't a big, that wasn't a big core wounding theme for me. It was more about gosh, you know, I really feel like I've got what it takes, you know, to be loved and all the things, which again, I was. But then there was an aspect of me that sort of shut it down and thought, but even though I know that I'm worthy and I I have all of the elements of being a, a good girl, a good human, all the things, what if I get rejected? So rather than me not taking action or moving through the world fully expressed because I didn't think I was good enough, I had the confidence, but I talked myself out of it because the pain of the potential rejection again would have been too much. And so therein lied the, you know, the push pull of understanding that I was valued, but is somebody else going to see that? I don't, I'm not sure what my value is and I'm not really sure what's kind of happening in my life or in the world. So I'm just going to sit in my little cocoon. And just like I said to that lovely woman who was just giving me a compliment, you know, like, go away. So I don't want to have to explain myself. I don't want to have 
to have something required of me and then it's rejected. So I conditioned myself. Yeah. I love that description of it, actually. I think that's so clear. And I think a lot of us can feel quite strong in ourselves and who we are. And yet we, we just don't want that rejection. It's like right. every time someone rejects us, well, you know, that's chipping away at that kind of confidence. So why would we put ourselves out there? even though we, yeah, it's interesting. I really like the way you've described that. So how do you think then as you've become an adult, how do you think that that's affected you throughout your more adult life? Sure. Well, I definitely played it safe. You know, I started resenting myself, right? I was rejecting myself because I wasn't giving that inner child the opportunity to be seen, heard, and loved. And all of these, you know, wild and delicious divine goals and aspirations and intentions that I have, I would judge it as not being good enough as a way to shut it down because it felt safer to sort of be in in limbo to sort of be in purgatory to be in the in the wanting and the wishing rather than the having because you can't be rejected if it hasn't actually happened you know nobody can take away your manifestations or you know reject you or tell you that you're an imposter or any of the things you know when you're standing up there to get your award if you never allow yourself the opportunity to receive the award in the first place so it really has been playing small and another interesting thing that I've noticed in my own life, and again, it's completely my own perspective. You know, some souls, some people are metaphorically shoved off the cliff, right? The universe and their higher self is going, okay, you need to move and you're not going to move. Most humans, we don't like change. So we do whatever we can to not change. But that hasn't been my experience, which makes it even harder to recognize okay, nothing's necessarily inherently wrong, but my life is meh. And I feel like I want more. There's more that wants to come through me. I see other people that are living these rich, delicious lives. I want that. That feels true for me. But wait, why is it? Who's going to come and save me and see my value? Who's going to shove me off the cliff and force me to do it? But my journey is, no, my love, you need to choose your own value. Nobody's going to do that for you. But, you know, and that's so like, kind of just been waiting for that big shove, but I have to shove myself. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> that's exactly what that's exactly right, isn't it? We have to see our own value. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So yeah. how, how has seeing your own value, how have you gone on that that journey of finding your own value? It's been a 20-year odyssey for sure, and it's 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 a choice is what I'm realizing every day, you know, life happens through us versus to us, although it can feel like it happens to us. And so even, you know, when we, when we don't quote unquote, have the evidence that the ego mind wants, or when we don't make the sale, or I don't book the role, or the role doesn't go as well as I think it should. And I'm not, you know, getting the, the claim that I think I should be getting. It's in those moments in between where you really connect to that radical, compassionate, you know, unrelenting, unconditional self-love. And you go, you know what? None of this even really matters. It's just simply me expressing and experiencing myself. But I'm no longer available to move through the world trying to get value. I want to be value and simply share it. Yes. I love that. <laughs> That's so beautifully put. It's exactly right. It's it's exactly right, isn't it? When you get to the point where you just feel that you have that value, you don't need yeah. to find it from anybody else. No. But, you know, I think so many of us spend our entire lives looking to the outside, trying to find the value, trying to get right. someone to tell us that we're good enough. We are yes. okay. And it's so hollow and so shallow because... It doesn't actually mean anything when you feel lost right. inside, right? Right. Um, no, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting too. And again, I mean, I, so many people say, and there's, there's wisdom in it all, but you know, many thought leaders and, and spiritual guides and captains of industry and such will say, well, we got to get out of the matrix and, you know, screw the matrix. Okay. That's one perspective. And also we collectively created the matrix as an opportunity to participate in this great experiment of separation from the truth of who we are, right? So we created it so we can uncreate it at the same time or simply not push against it and what else is possible. And so within that, it's we've experimented with this very limited understanding of what value is. And to your point, you know, all of the externals, sure, the awards are nice. I want awards, you know, the, the glittery fingernail polish is great sparkles fun, you know, the house, the cars, whatever is part of your dharma. However, I'm interested in the, in, in that, which we undervalue, which actually is really valuable, right? Presence, laughter, vulnerability, just simply existing as divinity incarnate, right? You don't need to do anything more. You can sit on the couch for the rest of your life and you're a contribution, but we don't hear that. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. And did you meet your birth mum at some point in your life? I did. I met both of my birth parents. I want to say it was 21. Okay. And, yeah. and what was that experience like? Whew. It was very, very interesting. And I just have to say, because it just, I mean, it fills my heart so much. You know, again, these incredible women that I've had in my life and, and my mother, you know, who is my mother. And I, I, I can't even begin to understand the extraordinary capacity for her love and her generosity. I remember coming to my parents 
at 21. And of course, I had no idea how the hell am I going to find my birth? Who does this? I don't know who to talk to. I don't have money for a PI. I mean, what do I do? You know, but I thought, well, it just feels true for me and fair and, you know, and standing in integrity to say to my parents, hey, listen, I don't expect any help. I just kind of want you to know where I'm at so that in case, you know, something comes to fruition, it's not a surprise. I don't, you know, and I thought nothing of it. That's it. And so she comes to me two weeks later and says, well, if you'd like to meet your birth mother, you know, here's how it's going to happen. And I went, wait, what? I wasn't even prepared for this. I didn't even think I was ever going to meet them. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, you know. Well, so my mother is so fantastic that she had taken it upon herself to reach out to my birth mother because without going into, you know, the long and short of it, there had been some form of correspondence, you know, appropriately that everybody agreed upon over the course of my life. And so she reached out and it had been several years and she had no idea if there was going to be an answer, how she'd be received. And so she made it happen. And I just... I think that's such a beautiful testament, right, to the motherly love and the instinct. And, and it doesn't matter, adopted or not, nature versus nurture, is a mother's a mother. And you, in many respects, you know, want your child to be happy and to feel whole. And she did what she could to facilitate that. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's so selfless to, it get is. to a point where, and she's, she's had this amazing gift I guess in in having you as as her daughter all these years and then she's able to actually do that for you so yeah um, it was beautiful yeah well both women and my birth mother too I'm sure it wasn't an easy journey for her you know absolutely absolutely and did you feel a connection with your birth mum You know, it's hard to answer that because again, I mean, I'm still working on feeling just connected to, to me. No, I I definitely felt more connected to my mom than I did to my birth mom, but there was certainly, and I'm sure I was blocking it a lot of it too. I mean, the, the enormity of the moment, right? I mean, I was trying to keep from like collapsing literally, or my knees buckling. So my mind's going to like all of these extraneous things that have nothing to do with anything you know she brought flowers oh I wonder what kind of flowers she bought I mean who thinks that right when you're like oh wait I should be focused on something else (laughs) but I think I needed to to be able to take in the moment because here's the thing you know I had imagined my whole life which I'm sure is normal and I had an active imagination who are my birth parents? Oh, are they rock stars? Oh, are they royalty? Kings and queens? Oh, they're this, that, and the other thing. They play the guitar. Whatever I made up in my mind based on my mood over the years. But you, you kind of, it, it sort of becomes part of your identity. And there's, it's only going to go downhill from there. There's no way that she can live up to this fantasy. So I think to keep from feeling disappointed that I had built her up to this impossible standard that I would be, you know, I'd feel disappointed. So I think that's why I was focused on, you know, the flowers and (laughs) how many there were and the bouquet size and all of that. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I guess you spend your whole life thinking about this person, right? Right. You would have just, you would have thought a million thoughts about her and who she is and what she Mm-hmm. would be like so that that moment of meeting somebody it must be incredibly nerve-wracking and 
it must be pretty overwhelming. Well, it was. And I think I thought that all of my life would all of a sudden make sense, but it really is again. And as I've been on this journey and been on this planet for a while now, and I'm realizing that for me and, and probably for most people that we're all just extensions and reflections of each other, but there is no one person or one accomplishment or one thing or one belief other than, you know, I am whole and complete as I am. That's really going to make life make sense for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so you talk about, you know, feeling like you, you didn't fit in growing up. Yeah. Do you think all the time that you, you spent trying to fit in, did that really serve you in your life or, I mean, what advice would you have for other people who might feel the same way? Yeah, I definitely did not fit in. And I would say that we're not meant to fit in. I mean, we can if we want, and, and we're naturally sort of drawn to similar resonance. So I guess in that respect, you could say that you're just naturally being who you are in any moment based on your level of awareness. And there's a sort of, again, resonance, which I like better than fitting in. But you know, this idea of tempering who we are, modulating from our truth in order to source love, that actually isn't love. And that's not, you know, safety only comes from your connection to who you really are. Source God, Yoda, Buddha, cupcake, you know, whatever you call the universe. And I would say that our differences, which can feel tricky in such divisive times, but our differences are what make life delicious. Be you, be authentically, relentlessly you, that little child that's like, you know what, I'm fantastic and I'm, I know what I want and I'm going to get it and, and I'm going to do it with love because there's plenty for everybody, right? And I yeah. think we're taught often that differences are bad and wrong. Not only can we not understand them, but that they're bad and wrong. Well, I guess I'll just tolerate you because you're different from me, but that speaks to a hierarchy, I'm interested in coming together inspired by our differences rather than in spite of, because we're all just pinging off each other and learning and growing and stretching, right? And so maybe somebody shining their light or raising their flag, as it were, is going to illuminate potentials and possibilities for somebody else to go, oh my gosh, I'm not exactly like you, but there's something that I resonate with that's within me that I want to give permission to, to be, you know? Mm, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. We, you know, I often think, imagine if we were all exactly the same, because that seems to yeah. be what society wants us to be. We all, if we're all exactly the same, then we've got no differences to worry about. You right. know? And it's like, how yeah. boring. And you get right. these gorgeous little kids. We, we take our dogs out, you know, and, and these gorgeous kids will always come up and they'll come and chat and they're so animated. And I yeah. often think, we lose all of that, don't we, as we, we grow do. older? We, we don't just reach out and connect because we're no. so busy judging, oh, will that person be open to me? Or there's so much going on for people and we, we uh, lose the ability just to connect in beautiful ways. And it's so sad, I think. Absolutely. Well, and again, it's, it's a nice sentiment to think that, oh, I don't, I, I'm not agreeing with it, but I can understand that from a more innocent place, 
we can kind of understand why, you know, society has said, well, you don't want to shine too bright because you don't want to make somebody else feel bad. But that's backwards. Because again, when we stand in our truth, I don't remember if it was Abraham Hicks or Wayne Dyer, or they probably all said something very similar in terms of, you know, one person standing in their truth, their highest truth, love, the, you know, the, the highest consciousness is more powerful in terms of elevating the resonance than thousands of people who are just shutting themselves down. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, it's like that child is so you know, energetic and you can't help but feel so joyful, right? When you're around a child that's just in their innocence over their insistence and they just get it and they're letting the, the divinity that they are flow through them. And that's inspiring to people. And it, you know, again, even if we don't all have to agree, but it's what's here for us to explore. And we discover that in our relationships with other people through the contrast of these, this texture of rich differences, I believe. Oh, beautiful. I love rich differences. That's such a beautiful phrase. So what are your biggest triggers from your childhood and what have they taught you? Well, that, that idea that I wasn't very valued, right, with the, the lawyer fees, the contract or whatever, however I internalize that. And I'm discovering it again, it's a choice, in this idea that I thought that life was very transactional, this for that, tit for tat, well, it doesn't feel good, so forget it, I'm just going to ignore it, right? Versus like, well, what's really here? Transformational. So I'm choosing and I'm embodying, and the biggest lesson is that my value is non-negotiable and it's up to myself to understand you know, the higher wisdom and the consciousness within me that connects to all things. And that no matter what happens, I get to decide what I'm worth and what feels true for me. And if I'm going to like stand down from who I really am in order to be loved, which again, that isn't love. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you don't like to use the word gratitude. Can Can you talk to us about that? Sure. And I'm actually writing a, a book on this for now. It's, it's an ebook, but we'll see how it wants. And I don't want to discount that. Ebooks are fabulous. Gratitude is a beautiful sentiment. It is a virtue and it's a limiter. I actually prefer celebration, which to me is a liberator. And by that, I mean, you know, and again, I speak only to my experience. There's a lot of guilt and shame that can be entangled in the energy of gratitude. Well, don't you know what I gave you? You should feel grateful. Well, you have this. What do you have to cry about? You should just be grateful. Well, you should just get down on your hands. And and we tend to weaponize it, right? And also for me in my own life, gratitude never felt true for me. I mean, again, the, the wisdom of the intention is true, but, but, that particular qualifier never felt true for me because I thought it meant that I had to settle, right? Or that only certain aspects of my life are worthy, are valuable. I'm gonna celebrate the stuff that I like. But when you're in celebration, you're understanding with more of a 
conscious participant in your life, that everything is an opportunity to expand and serve you, no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels. So it kind of takes you out of this idea that only certain aspects of your life are worthy or valuable. And everything in your life is a celebration. You are a celebration. Everything that you're creating, the mistakes, the wobbles, the innovation, all of your genius, all of it combined is worthy being recognized and loved as a way to just turn you on to what else is possible. Oh, that sounds amazing. I love all of that. So what does life hold for you now? Because oh my you're, God. <laughs> you're like, I feel like you've come in this full circle where you're, what's, what's next? How do you yeah. see life playing out for you in the future? Well, as I shared earlier, I'm now done moving through the world, looking to get love or to get value or to wait for somebody else to pick me and see my value. I'm going to honor the value and the, and the creation and the wisdom and, you know, the divinity that wants to use me as a vessel to flow through me. I'm just going to start putting it out there without judging it, you know, which can feel very scary all of these offerings and all of these demonstrations. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things on the horizon. And most important for me, it's really just embodying in self-love, self-worth, pleasure, enjoying being on the planet, feeling connected to my body, connected to my truth, and then just letting it fly from there right? No conditions, no contracts, no expectations, right? I can choose in the moment. It's not a transaction. Everything has an opportunity to be bigger than I could ever imagine if I just get out of the way and stop insisting how it has to go. Oh, yes. We have to get out of our own way for sure. (laughs) Um, And are there any practices that you do or has anything really helped you to come to these sorts of realizations? Yeah, I've really... Well, meditation is a big one for me. Journaling really helps being more cognizant of the thoughts that I'm thinking and letting them be there, but going, does this still feel true for me? Is this, so not whack a mole them away, right? Because we want to, I believe I want to celebrate them. Oh, thanks for coming up in my mind for the thousandth time. Is this really what I still want running on loop, you know? And to go, ah, okay, I see that. Essential oils help me. They help me, you know, embody and sort of awaken and invigorate my senses and my superpowers. I love sound therapy. Right. Sound bowls and, and, you know, light language and anything that sort of feels like that pure I am frequency, anything that's a portal to that really helps nature. Nature's amazing. I swear to God, crows are the sexiest creatures alive. They shake their butt when they walk. They're sassy suckers. They're lawmakers, apparently, in the bird kingdom. I mean, they squawk. Some of them sound like crap but they don't care. They just sing a tune and it's like amazing, right? Talk about just living relentlessly. Nature does not hold back. Neither should you. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the crows wiggle their butts. I <laughs> beautiful. Megan, it's been so beautiful speaking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been oh, an amazing evolution of your life and yeah. I'm just so happy to see you in a beautiful place where you're valuing all of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. 
thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.